0: You would please turn in your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're looking at verses 7 through 15 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians eleven, seven 7 through 15 and verse 20. If you would please follow with me in reading the word of the Lord. Or did I commit a sin? And humbling myself so that you might be exalted, because I preached the gospel to you without charge? I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they fully supplied my need... And in everything, I kept myself from being a burden to you and will continue to do so. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. But what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity for those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we in the matter of which we are boasting." For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deed. Verse 20. For you tolerate it if anyone enslaves you, anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face. Father, teach us today. May our hearts be receptive to your Spirit's words, to what you would show us here. And Father, in this tremendous time that really hasn't changed since the time of Paul, do we know the difference between the true and the false? Father, help us be discerning. Let us not be gullible. And Father, may we see your word for what it is, the authority of the incarnate Christ here before us this day. And may we, as the deer at the stream, pant to be refreshed in our souls moment by moment until that day our faith becomes sight. We love you and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. As we move through this letter, I shared with you that we moved into chapter 10. Chapter 10 through 12, you're basically dealing with spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare has been, uh, uh, shall we say, perverted. uh, What we classify it and what we call it today. The spiritual warfare is truly for the mind. It is speculations and lofty things raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. I was discussing this with somebody I can't remember. You guys know I love history. And I love it all. I mean, world history, American history. Uh, just I, It's just a disaster for me. But I, I love it. There's one thing that I know that if I go back to the Egyptian Empire or if I move to today, there is a battle that goes on right now. And that battle has never changed. And regardless of the empire... Regardless of the civilization, regardless of the military, regardless of the political view or the socioeconomic views, the battle is always the same. Okay, you know what that battle is? Truth versus a lie. It's all encompassed in that. And when you think about spiritual warfare, what do you suppose it should be? Truth versus the lie. And here's how simple it gets. How many wise men were there? Okay. And yet, how did it start? Has God said? Same thing's going on today, every day. And if you look at it, it's kind of miraculous to me. The first presidential election that I voted in was uh, Mr. Nixon, okay? In that day and age, if you lied, you were hung out to dry, okay? Let me ask you a question. Has it changed? It's pretty bizarre if you think about it. Because it's almost like we exalt fibbing. <laughs> it's just fibbing. It was a white lie. Well, what's a black lie? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Look at how we've managed to twist it. Right? Exactly what was happening in Corinth. Paul had been gone. He had labored there a little over two years. Founded a church. God had done immeasurably more than he could have thought or imagined. Because Corinth was a, a nasty place. Socrates, speaking of Corinth, said that, and, and I quote, that it was his favorite place to vacation because you had bare-breasted women climbing poles and spearing pigs. What a vacation holiday. Okay? But it was very... Uh, It it doesn't even reach the word liberal, okay? It used to be if you were promiscuous, they would call you Corinthianizing, all right? So you kind of get a picture of the community, and yet God, through the Apostle Paul, in that environment, planted a church that was lacking nothing, What had happened is the Apostle Paul had left. Some people had come in and sowed seeds of doubt among the congregation so that they could discredit the Apostle Paul so that they could take over. Okay? That's the simplicity of the Corinthian writings. There's four letters. We have two. In chapter 10, he shows us that there's this battle going on. He understood. He had written a letter, the severe letter. We don't have that one. All right. But it must have been a dandy because it broke the hearts of many of the true believers in the Corinthian church. And they were restoring the relationship with the Apostle Paul. We've seen that in chapter seven. Okay. So that was coming back together. But the Apostle Paul was smart enough to know that these false teachers were still in the congregation. And they're still looking around to try to grab some ears, some allies. And they would lay in wait for time for the dust to settle. And then they would raise it back up again and bring the doubt in on the Apostle Paul. So in chapter 11 and halfway through 12, Paul takes these people on head on. He doesn't name names, but everybody in the congregation is going to know who he's talking about. And that's what we're looking at. In this section here, 7-15 through and verse 20, he contrasts the true servant of God to the false servant of God. What he's actually doing, he's contrasting himself to his accusers. To his accusers. Okay? You can know a true servant of God by humility, truth, and their love. If you ever want to evaluate whether an individual is a true representative of God, a true servant, a true preacher of God, look at their humility, look at their truth, and look at their love. Okay? You only have to look at these three things. It's not complicated. Is there... Manifest in the individual's life selflessness, sacrificial humility. That's what it is. It is never about them. I have had the privilege to speak to some of the greatest preachers that have ever walked the planet. Okay, And spend time with it, intimate time, sit down at a dinner table with them. Okay, Powerful ministries, global ministries. And I sit and I talk to them and they never talk. You can't get them to answer nothing about themselves. They want to know about you. And, and you're just sitting there going, wait a minute. How is this possible? Why? Because that is manifest humility. Manifest humility. I remember one time I had, uh, was having lunch with Dr. John MacArthur. <laughs> And I I asked him, I said, uh, he took Grace Community in the late 60s. And he looked at me and he says, the only reason that they hired me was because I was young. And I said, what? He says, they had had two pastors before them who were elderly. They had both died. And now they, the church was taking care of the widows. And they just wanted someone that would last. And I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, when you took over the church, what was your prayer? He says, that I wouldn't lose anybody. And at the time, he was about 90 to 100 people. Now there's 60,000. Okay. And I'd say, well, God answered that. <laughs> okay. But, but you think about that for a while. And, and that is a sacrificial selflessness. Why? That can only be produced in humility. Okay. But the other thing is, is that I look and see in the apostle Paul is that there is truth from top to bottom and it's non-negotiable. Okay. There's a conviction in that truth. There's a confidence in that truth and you will not move them. Period. It is what he is as well as what he says. So you have this humility and then this immersion in truth, but then you have a life of self-sacrificing, giving of love to others. Now listen, those are the noticeable marks of a true servant, of a true apostle in this case. And you can contrast that To the false. Look around today, brothers and sisters. Look at the people who are getting the press, the books, the book deals, the television shows and all the rest of it. Are they self-centered and prideful? Do they have an ignorance when it comes to truth? Do they even speak of the truth? I watched a guy one time the church was noted for having the most baptisms a year. They were averaging like 20,000 baptisms a year. And I'm like, wow. So I was coming back from California and I stopped at this church because I've got to see this. All right. And so I get up there and it happened to be Father's Day. Okay. And the preacher had a Bible in his hand. He had it opened in his hand. He walked around on the stage. And you know what he preached on? The cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. A Harry Chaffin song. And I thought, well, why, why you got the Bible in your hand? And I thought, that's it. That's That's what we're doing. They don't have truth. But they also tend to be abusive. They tend to use people for their own personal end. Okay? 7 through 9 is the contrast of this, verses 7 through 9. And it's based on a single issue, a main issue, um, that Paul was being accused of, of not receiving money from the Corinthians. Okay? We've already looked at this because Paul's policy was not to take money from a church that he was founding. He was establishing, he was planting, whatever you want to do, call it. He would take gifts from established churches as they felt led to assist him. Okay, Because he had three main reasons that he didn't take money from a church that he was founding. One, the gospel didn't have a price. I don't want to put a price on the gospel. Two, I didn't want to burden new believers. I didn't want to be a burden to them. And three, he wanted to be different than the normal speakers. The, there are people today in the name of Christ that I call mercenaries. You know why I call them that? They have no allegiance. They're doing it for the money. Okay? There's, and that's mercenary. I don't have an allegiance. How much are you going to pay me? And I'll do it. Okay. You see it today all over the place. It comes in the form of philosophers, motivational speakers. There are religious teachers who are out there today. There are quote unquote popular public speakers. They are pros. And at the time of the writing of the Corinthian letters, it was based on philosophers. Your fame was the degree of your fee. The more famous you was, the more money you made. Okay. And you could command more. Okay. Now I want you to understand something. First Corinthians nine tells us that preachers have a right to make a living by the gospel. Paul said, I refuse to exercise that right. Okay? He didn't exercise it. Why? He humbled himself and he went to a very common level. He was a craftsman. He was an intellect. You need to understand that. He studied under Gamali, his theology, a Pharisee, a great teacher. But he was also college educated he was in tarsus that's where he grew up and was born and raised and if you were a citizen of tarsus rome or alexandria egypt you got free college okay so he would have been educated in philosophies into the languages uh, and uh, and theology but he also had a trade as a craftsman yet he was an intellectual and yet, sewing leathers is a simple task. He spoke in a very simple, plain speech. His accuser says he was unskilled as an orator. The false assaults on Paul was his main problem was he was weak as an orator. He couldn't speak. He couldn't hold your interest. He wasn't any fun to listen to. I remember a professor I was listening to one time out of Georgia. If you would turn to Isaiah 53, what? (laughs) Where is that? And just, he never inflected his voice. It never went up. It never went down. It was just this monotone. And I was sitting there going, Dude. (laughs) And But the guy was brilliant. But you're sitting there going, mercy, this will cure insomnia without any problem whatsoever. The Apostle Paul was unskilled. They had to attack him because he had no charm. He had been stoned and left for dead. So he probably wasn't that pleasing to look at. He had no charisma. He wasn't fun to listen to. He was an amateur. And he knew he was an amateur because he didn't charge. Why? If he didn't charge, then there's not worth anything to listen to. Why? That is the twisting of the war that you and I are in. Truth versus the lie truth versus the lie what he did with this accusation is that now he moves that accusation and he comes against his critics and he says the reason i didn't charge you is i didn't want to be a burden to you the reason i didn't charge you uh, is because there's no price for this so the next accusation was what he don't love you because if he loved you he would take your money and feel like he was obligated to you. If he's obligated to you, it's obvious that he doesn't want your money. He doesn't want to be obligated. He doesn't want to be accountable to you. But it was Paul's custom, his pattern. He was being attacked on his custom, on his pattern of not taking money from a founding church. That's what's behind this text. That's why he says that here. Did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Is that a sin? Am I a sin because I broke the social norm? Is that a sin? Is it a sin for me to say I'm not going to have you take care of my needs? I will trust God. Listen, that's completely different than the professionals even today. I've had people who wanted to come and speak in the church, and you know we were kind of working it out. And I was like, okay, here's some dates and this, all the rest. And then they tell me I have to buy this, and I have to buy that, and I got to put them in this, and I got to put them in that, and, he, and then and this is my fee. No, uh huh? I spoke at a, a, a conference down in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, a number of years ago, and. uh they just told me where my hotel was. I knew where the church was. And I had to send them some outlines of the things that I was going to speak on. And, and I did that. I went down. I knew the senior pastor, and I spent some time with him. Then I went over to my hotel. I had my family with me. You know, you know so I tried to pay for my hotel, and they said, No. They've already paid for it. I don't want that. And then the next thing I know, I get into my room and you're putting your luggage away and all of a sudden there's this rap at the door and I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I open it up and they've got this big old stinking basket full of fruits and stuff that here, you know, just like this. And you're like, wait a minute, I'm being set up here. Okay. I I wasn't expecting anything. I was just saying, okay, how many, what do you want me to teach on and how many things should I teach on? And that was it. And, you know, and then they did, they, uh, They gave me some money afterwards, a love offering. But I didn't ask for nothing. I didn't want anything. I don't like staying in people's houses, okay, because to teach and preach is exhausting. And when you get done, everybody wants to sit around and chit-chat. And nothing personal, I love you. Leave me alone. No. (laughs) Let me catch my breath okay because it's it's a it's a when it comes to mental things, I'm not very good at it, and I have to be very mental, and then when I'm exhausted and I'm done okay why that is completely different than the professional speakers of Paul's time They're completely different than the professionals that you run around here today, okay why a true servant of God is free from the love of money? The true will receive the gifts, but they don't seek the gifts, okay. Now, my boys thought that the basket full of fruit was great because I didn't get any. (laughs) So it it must have been great. (laughs) The truths will not ask. They will not plead for it, and they are free from it. If you wanted to be an elder, 1 Timothy chapter 3 says, you must be free from the love of money. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3 says, Free from filthy lucre, the desire of money. When you look at the Apostle Paul, there was nothing impressive. There was nothing remarkable. Okay, here's what he does. I love this guy. I know that I'm not skilled. I know that I'm not impressive to look at. And I know that. And if that's true, Paul says, if everywhere I went, churches were founded, and thousands and thousands and thousands of souls left the darkness to enter into the light, what would be your conclusion if I'm unskilled and contemptible to even look at? It couldn't have been the Apostle Paul. It had to be the work of God. Brothers and sisters, you need to cherish that. When I think about this little bitty church and the daughter churches that we have, we got five in Russia. We got nine in India. And we got a school that and and a seminary and some, some churches in Myanmar from us. Just us. We paid for the summer camps in Orel. Did you know that? Nobody else put a nickel in it. We paid for every one of those kids. Three summer camps through the summer, and we paid for it. Why? Well, it ain't us. So if it ain't us, it ain't our clever marketing strategies. Who is it? It's God. It's what the Apostle Paul's arguing. I may not be much to look at. I may not be able to turn a phrase. I may not be charismatic. I may not be creative. I may not be clever. But who gets the glory? How many can take credit for some of the things you see going on today? If it is a great polished speaker, if it is a great charismatic personality, charming. Everywhere he goes, he draws a crowd. Who takes credit? That's why they all want to write a book. Let's write a book. Why? Because I'm good. Paul cherished his inadequacies. Paul cherished his weaknesses. I'll give you a little preview of this. Chapter 12, verse 5. On behalf of such a man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except in regard to my weakness. You know what he's talking about there? Somebody who went to the third heaven and experienced things that he's not allowed to repeat. Look at verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Look at verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will... Rather, boast in my, about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. Listen. The only one way to define the Apostle Paul is that whatever was going on around him, it was not him. I don't care what you say. The impact of that man's ministry, he had no ability over. And you could say that is exactly what the Apostle Paul wanted. Take you back a little ways. Chapter 10, verse 17. He who boasts is to boast in the Lord. One commentary that I read made this statement, quote, only one possible commentary on the life of Paul that makes sense. That is God was in him powerful. Why? The essence is his humility. The essence was his humility. So, verse 10. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. Okay? It's not just humility. It has to be truth. Truth. His boasting that he speaks of here is what? I will not receive any money from you. Okay, I'm not changing anything and I don't care what they say or accuse me of. That's what he's saying. Why? Look what he says here. As the truth of Christ is in me. Now listen, I know many who could say the truth of Christ is in their mouth. They speak it. I know many who can say the truth of Christ is in my head. I have the knowledge. But Paul says the truth of Christ is in me. See, here's one of the things that I've learned the hard way. I bear witness to it and I fought it. Right? The Apostle Paul operated from the inside out. I know a whole bunch of guys who are operating on the outside. And they have the word of Christ in their mouth. They may have the word of Christ in their head. But it is not in them. It is not in them. Why? That is absolute integrity. All right. Because that when it's in you. So you guys can walk out of here and say, well, Terry said. Well, let me tell you something. When the war starts, are you going to live on that? Or is it in you? The suffering of the Apostle Paul and that he could endure it? How could he endure it? Because the truth was in him. His convictions were in him so deeply that if you beat him with rods, he wasn't going to recant. And he didn't have to do it and say, well, you know, all of a sudden they're talking to Peter and Barnabas and they told me this. No, man. He knew what he believed and he had witnessed it. He had experienced it. And the truth of Christ was in him. I know people who can speak it. Regurgitate somebody else. I know people who have knowledge. I know very few who have the conviction to say, I shall not be moved. And those are the ones who show themselves workers approve, rightly dividing truth. The lexical uh, translation of this, the literal Greek phrasing, of this, as truth of Christ is in me, that's New American Standard, is by virtue of the truth of Christ has placed in me. That's the Greek syntax of that. It wasn't just he proclaimed truth, he lived it. You know what we call it today? He was obsessed by it. I remember the first time I had worked for the town of Castle Rock for a number of years. There was a lady that I had worked with and she, her and her husband had moved on to somewhere or whatever. The next thing I knew, I had taken over the pulpit here. <laughs> I remember running into her and her husband. They actually were renting the house that Joe and Elena live in. So it was kind of weird. But anyway, so I stopped by there, and they asked me how it was going, all the rest of it, and I told them what I was doing. And we got to discussing some theological things. And I remember she looked at me, and she says, you've become a Bible thumper. And at the time I thought, huh. And then it dawned on me, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm now wearing Bible thumper as a badge of honor. What is your driving motive? What is your obsession? I can tell you what Paul's was. He was devoted not to just speaking it, not to it just being in his mind, meaning that, you know, he was really good at Bible trivia. It was his heart and soul. Why? Your heart and soul is where your integrity is or isn't. One of the things that drives me nuts about politicians today, I can see what's in their heart and soul. Because they're not confident in anything. Look around yourselves, brothers and sisters. Look around our society. Tell me what you see. And I hear all the cliches. Well, we're in the postmodern era. Okay, and basically what they're saying is your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, and you enjoy yours and I'll enjoy mine. Okay? Well, why did I just say the war was? Truth against the lie. Well, if your truth is different than my truth, one of us is wrong. Okay? Perhaps in some situations, both of you are wrong. Because in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Look around at our society today. Look around at our churches today. I've heard pastors say, I will not call that out because I do not want to have conflict. But it's sin. But God is gracious. <coughs> he is. He forgives your sin, but you still got to call it sin. Sin. So many know the truth in their head. So many talk the truth with their mouth. But they don't have the truth in their heart. And you know what? It is seen. I remember hearing a guy preach one time. And he says, well, I think what this means. And my, I just want to stand up and say, then sit down. You are paid to rightly divide the truth. Know what it says. If not... Stand up and say, Oh, no. Because you're not helping anybody. Say, Well, I don't know. Paul was a man who had the truth on the inside, and it was seen to come from the inside out. And it didn't matter. Stonie, even leaving for dead. You know what he did when he came to? He went back into town. The place that had just thrown him, stoned him, knocked him unconscious, and threw him on a pile of manure. He comes to, he goes back in. That's convictions, people. That is a man will not be wavered. The word of truth in Christ is in him. And you ain't moving it. You ain't moving it. Mission in his life was to proclaim the truth of Christ, but his life was to live it. A friend of mine told me this one time, and I thought, you know, this is true. There's too many people in the churches today who believe they're here to master truth. Master the Bible. The truth of the matter is, the Bible should be mastering you. Paul was convinced that he had to be on the inside what he preached on the outside. If you're not, you know what they call that in the Greek? Hippocrates. Hypocrite. Also known as an actor. Let me show you. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse two. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I renounce the acting. I renounce the craftiness. I don't have that. It's shameful. It adulterates the Word of God. We, our lives, manifest the Word of God. Let it be seen preach the truth, and live the truth. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Because he wants it to come from the inside out. There is no acting. Check it out. Chapter 6, verse 7. In the word of truth and the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left hand. Okay, why? It's the word of truth. Why? It is the inside, it is the outside. I do what I do. Why? Because look what he's doing. He defines his ministry. I want you, if you're going to define your ministry, okay? Ministry, when you think about that, it's my service, okay? This is my service to the Lord, okay? I'm a minister. If you're saved, you're a minister. You may not act like it, but it still doesn't make it not true, okay? Okay, here's my ministry, people. Verse 5 in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, and in hunger. Wow. Sign me up. Okay? That's his ministry. He defines it. Here's his truth, verse six in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, and in Holy Spirit, in genuine love. Why? In the word of truth. See, the inside can endure the outside. But if you don't have the inside, how, how many false teachers are willing to go suffer for their message? You just don't see that, do you? How close do you want to look at their lives? Okay? Okay. What you would see is exactly what you heard from the Apostle Paul. Was that not what he's, his, who he was following? What you saw in Christ is what you heard in Christ? Not that I have arrived, but I press on for the upper calling of Christ. That was the Apostle Paul. Chapter 7, verse 14. For if anything, I have boasted to him about you. Okay, now, what he's talking about, Titus. All right. For in anything, I have boasted to him about you. He had boasted about the church in Corinth to Titus. Okay. I was not put to shame. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, so also our boasting before Titus proved to be truth. He was boasting to Titus about the church in Corinth. He was boasting to the church in Corinth about Titus. Why? They were both immersed in what? Truth. Listen, he spoke truth when it came to scriptures. He didn't withhold anything. When he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he says, I have not forsaken the full counsel of God. I've got you from Genesis to the end. This is it. I went from house to house. But then he even tells the Ephesian elders, be on guard, beware. Why? They're coming. Now you think about that for a second. What is he doing? He's passing through Ephesus because where is he at when he's dealing with the Corinthian mess? He's in Ephesus. He knows how this thing works. Now he's on going back by Malthus and he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Why? Because I'm going to Jerusalem with the Jerusalem offering. Remember that? He's on his way back down to Jerusalem and he doesn't know if he's going to get out there alive. Be on guard. He spoke truth. Why? It was his character, his integrity. Why? Because character and integrity is on the inside. I can manifest something silly for a time, but the character of the individual is on the inside. Some in Corinth had considered Paul's ways as evidence of his weakness. He's inadequate. Now Paul showed his weaknesses as weak as he was proved of his in- integrity and in that he was a servant sent by God. Last thing I want you to look at. Back to uh, 11. Chapter 11, verse 10. This boasting of mine, okay, this boasting of mine is referring to the fact I'm not taking any money from you. will not be stopped in the regions of Achaia. It's an interesting phrase. I kind of got thrown off about it. Achaia is the southern part of Greece. You take the Greek peninsula, and you take the southern half of it, it's called Achaia. You take the northern half of it, and it's called Macedonia. Okay. When he says it will not be stopped in the southern parts of Achaia, it means that there's more than one church in Achaia than the Corinthians. Not only that, You can go look it up yourself, but in Romans 16, verse 1, Sensoria was a church. You know where that's at? It's in Achaia. You know Sensoria. Why? You know one of the servants of the Sensorian church. Phoebe was from the church in Sensoria. There's possibility there are other churches if you go to back a few years to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, the church of God which is in Corinth and all the saints throughout Achaia. All right? So what had happened in the Corinthian church had been growing outward. There were other saints that were out there and perhaps there was many small churches In the region. And you know what is tragic? The influence of the false was spreading through Achaia. Even since Syria. Paul didn't want the false to find anything in his life that could be used against him. So he didn't charge anything. And even in the regions of Achaia, the false's influence had spread. And that's the way it is. Think about it. You've just seen it. Uh, I don't know. Did you hear about the uh, rape allegations out of uh, University of Virginia? Published in Rolling Stone. And everybody said, oh, my God, they shut all the fr- frat houses down. And they are all getting ready to start pressing charges. FBI has been called in. All this is going to happen. And they found out that it was made up. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay? The Apostle Paul understood this. this had, nothing's changed. Let me just throw an accusation out there. What's the grounds for it? I just wanted to throw an accusation out there. False had influenced in some other places. And Paul was a man of absolute integrity. And he knew what a true servant was. Why? They're selfless. They're humble. They're not mastered by money. And truth is their core. Their core. Listen. Look at their life, and a truth servant, you will see nothing but truth. They will be obsessed with the Bible. Okay? When you find that person, you know that you're looking at someone who at the core has... Honor and integrity, but you will also see someone who is humble. I know people who spend time in the Word and come away boastful, prideful. And I'm trying to figure out what Bible are they reading. Okay, there are some people who said, you sound that way when you preach. Nope. But I am confident Okay, I don't walk up here and say, well, I don't know what this means, but we'll give her a shot. Okay, that's crazy. You're speaking to the, of the word of the Lord. All right. When you think about the contrast, the apostle Paul to his accusers, you will see the true versus the false. The humble man of truth who is obsessed with loving the people that God has placed in his life. And it will be against the arrogance and the deception and the abuse of the false. It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for my brother Paul. And Father, the amazing things that you did to this man. Lord, help us. Help us to be students of your word. Father, keep us from being gullible. Um, help us to discern. Help us, each person, to know what the book says. And when the person comes and says, Has God said? They will be able to say with confidence, Yes or no. To you, my King. To you, my Lord. In Christ's name. Amen.